Good morning. According to Amy Glassmeyer, a professor of urban studies at MIT, for a family of four in Denver, a living wage is $74,000 a year. Unfortunately, Denver's median income is only about $56,000. And at the same time, median rent for a two-bedroom apartment in Denver is about $1,300 a month. And rent is actually higher as you get out into the suburbs, as you get into Aurora, Parker, and places like Castle Rock. So this comes out to be about a third of people's take-home pay. That's for those at the median, and it's even a higher fraction for people who are making less than that. So what about home ownership? That's better, right? According to a March article in the Denver Post, the, take, uh, the median price of a single-family home in Denver is now $400,000. This puts mortgage payments in the $1,800 range, so now we're up to about 40% of that median take-home pay. Now, the economy is growing, and employment is too, from what I hear and what I read. But from what I know, a lot of people still struggle with housing instability. To confront this problem, Habitat for Humanity is a nonprofit organization with the goal of building simple, decent, affordable housing. The average cost of a Habitat home is $100,000, which is much lower than the prices of Denver overall. Habitat homes are financed with low or zero interest mortgages, keeping the monthly payments low for homeowners. And to do this, Habitat relies on volunteer workers and financial donations. Montview has worked with Habitat for 18 years now. Each year, Montview has assigned five to six build dates, and groups of a dozen or so workers work each day. Back of the napkin math puts that at about 1,000 cumulative work days by Montview folks over the last 20 years. With this in mind, on behalf of the Habitat for Humanity Committee, I am here to ask Montview members and friends to volunteer time, talent, and treasure. Each Sunday in May, there will be donation uh, cards placed in the pews. You see them right here. Our goal is to raise $10,000, which we have pledged to Habitat for Den of Denver. We will also have volunteer sign-ups outside and a stellar off-Broadway performance next week. So please check your calendars, write a check, or drop a Hamilton or one of his friends into these envelopes. And thanks, as always, for your generosity and support. Thank you, Chris. Welcome, everyone. We're glad that you're here on this beautiful sixth Sunday of Easter, and we're glad for this time to worship God together. Today, we also welcome Reverend Jerry Herships to our pulpit. He is ordained in the United Methodist tradition and is the founder of After Hours Denver, a faith community that lives in, worships in pubs and bars in our city. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Today is every day. This is filled with information about Montview Church, about ways you can become involved and connected here, opportunities to learn and to serve. We hope you'll read through this information and that you will join us. Today I'd like to point out that next Sunday is the last Sunday until fall when we will worship at 8.30 and at 11 
Also next Sunday, between services, we have our children-led service in the McCollum Room this year. The children take all the adult parts and lead us in a short worship service. It's the culminating activity for our Sunday school year, and I hope you can stop by next Sunday. On May 20th, we move to our summer schedule. We'll worship at 10 o'clock each Sunday morning, and childcare will be in place. And now, in reverence, in joy, and in gratitude, let us stand as we are able and worship God. confess together, we confess before one another and before God, speaking the ways that we forget and stumble and fall short in our faithfulness. We join our voices now saying, when we have wounded your love, O God, heal us. When we stumble in the darkness, light of the world, transfigure us. When we forget that we are your home, Spirit of God, dwell in us. Living flame, burn into us. Cleansing wind, blow through us. Fountain of water, well up within us, so that we may have indeed and truth. Amen. In God's mercy, we are forgiven. In God's spirit, we are guided and redeemed. In God's grace, we are loved, without conditions, without limits. For all God gives and reveals, we give in return our humble, grateful praise. Thanks be to God. Amen. Meister Eckhart was a 13th century Christian theologian and mystic, and he's quoted as saying that all God wants of man is a grateful heart. He also said we should let God be God in us. May our prayer be that our lives are filled with gratitude 
and that we are God and God's love in this place and beyond these walls. Please turn to each other now and share greetings of gratitude and the peace of God. Amen.
Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see you. I want to talk about babies today. Does anybody have a baby at their house right now? Yes. Okay. We're going to talk about some of the things that babies need. They're very special and they're pretty helpless. Can you think of one thing that babies need? Their moms. That's right. They need a family to love them. To be carried all the time, every single second of every day. She has a baby sister. <laughs> That's true. They need us to help them in so many ways. What are some other things babies need? To have their pacifiers. Pacifiers? That's a great thing. Come on over, Gavin. Do you want to say? Milk? Yes, they need milk. Anything else? Did you have another thing, Evelyn? They need diapers, don't they? One more, Will. Love. Love. That's so true. Well, let's look through this and see if there's anything else in here. Cooper, do you want to help me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Why don't you take... So, the diapers we mentioned and wipes. You have those. And this is special food for a baby because they don't have teeth. And cereal. So... All special things babies need. But guess what? Toilet paper. It's, it's diapers, but you know what? Some babies right here in our city don't have what they need. They don't have these things, and their families can't buy these things, but they need help. And who do you think could help? Us. Yes, we can help. That's so true. For the whole month of May, we can bring these things that babies need here to church, and we have a wonderful group of volunteers that'll take them to the families in Denver that really need our help. Just like Jesus said, we should help our neighbors, and this is one way that we can do that. Will you pray with me? Dearest God, we give you thanks for all the precious little ones in this community and around your whole world. Help us to remember how much they need. They are just precious calls to love and sharing. May we follow the words of Jesus to love our neighbors and help as we can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, boys and girls. See you soon. She did? Prayer for illumination found in your bulletin. May we roll the stones away from the hidden places in our lives, revealing the light, life, and love you have for us. Amen. Our lesson is John 13, 34 through 35, found on page 94 in your New Testament Pew Bible. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know 
that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to the church. Thanks be to God. In case you missed it earlier, I want to be very clear. I'm a Methodist. I wanted to state this up front in case anybody needed to leave early. Let's keep our fingers crossed. I even get the Our Father correct. Okay, let's try. I'm excited to be here today. Um, I, I do my church on Monday evenings, which means I have my Sundays generally free, and I, I get to guest preach uh, sometimes quite a bit. And uh, when I do, it's usually because the pastor that I'm filling in for needs to be out of town. So they're not usually even in the room when I'm doing my guest preaching. I usually get to preach on whatever I want. But more often than not, if the senior pastor isn't present, uh, we usually get ice cream. That's what we do. We don't even do a service. We just head right out the door and that's that. I always get a few fans right in back there, yep. But Clover is here, ladies and gentlemen, so we'll be preaching today. Uh, I do want to be fair, though. Uh, I think throughout history, uh, clergy have gotten, some would even say, too much power. Uh, I would say we've seen this building not just in decades, but in centuries. Clergy getting more and more power, congregations getting less and less power. And so uh, this is a democracy, and I want to take a vote. Um, I brought a sermon, and I can do this today, or one of you can come up here. <laughs> we'll stick with this. Okay, good. That worked out great. Today I want to I talk to you a little bit about love. And uh, I know that the sermon verse was very short. It was only two verses long but I really think it holds not just the entirety of the gospel, but maybe the entirety of the entire Bible. Um, I don't want to talk about love the way we kind of use it in our society. as sort of like a Hallmark card kind of love. I don't want to talk about the way we say, you know, oh, I, I love my car, I love that restaurant. I want to talk about the way it was intended here. So when it, when it was intended here, in the Greek, it meant agape, and it meant... God's love for God's people and our love for God. Thomas Aquinas puts it even better. Thomas Aquinas calls this type of love to will the good of another. And while I love our Bible, love the good book, in fact, I don't even think it's a good book. I think it's a great book, but it's a big book. Big book, a lot of different authors. And so we need to drill down a little bit and really, we have one question that we really have to ask, and that is, what is our job description? What is our job description as followers of Christ? And I got another confession. I will tell you, I don't think it is our job to save anyone. But I do think it is our job to love everyone. Now, my church in Denver, it's called After Hours Denver, and we gather in different pubs and bars on Monday nights every week. The call to worship is we make 100 peanut butter and jelly lunches, and we take them down to Civic Center Park. 
We partner with a lot of churches. We are now down there seven days a week, 365 days a year. We'll hand out 100 lunches at noon every day in seven minutes. The need is great. And in doing this work, I had to be really honest and ask myself the question, are you making a difference? That's a question we all have to ask at some point, right? And I had to really ask and kind of call myself to the carpet. Are we making a difference? Because I think, honestly, the church does great work, but a lot of people do great work. Government does great work. Social service agencies, they do great work. And when they all come together, we've seen it. It can be magic. But I think we have to really ask the question, what is our job as the body of Christ in the world? Now, before I'm misconstrued, is getting people off the street important? Absolutely. There's no question. And the church has a lot of dough. The institution of the church has a lot of money. In fact, we could probably get everybody in the country off the street and in their own place. But the truth is, without love, they'd probably be right back on the street within a year. Because the roof isn't really the thing. The roof is like the sandwich that we hold out. It's a tool. It's not the thing. And there's a difference between wants and needs. Maybe what they need is a sandwich, what they need is a roof, but that's not what they want. What they want is love. And in that way, they are no different than me and you. I had a lunch meeting with a friend of mine who said to me, he goes, Jerry, I don't care how many lunches you hand out, are you making a difference? And I realized right then, he still didn't get it. The sandwich is just the vehicle that carries God's love to the people. It is our opportunity to look people in the eye and tell them they matter. We do communion in the park every day. And I don't think we'd still be going to the park if we weren't doing communion. Because communion holds a very special place. Communion, when we hand it out, reminds people that God has not forgotten them, that God loves them, and that God will continue to love them no matter what. I had a buddy of mine in the park stop by, and uh, we started talking, and I've known him for a number of months, but he's not in line. And so after a while, I said, do you want something to eat? He goes, no, no, he goes, I, I don't need anything to eat. I said, okay. We kept talking. I said, do you want some water or anything, a pair of socks? Do you? He goes, no. He said, what I could use is a hug. And then I would love some sacrament. We are giving love to people that many times feel like they are getting it in no other place in their lives. And I'll be honest, I think the church as a whole gets a bad rap. I think the church does amazing work, but we are choosing to do it from the inside out because we want to deal with the wants not just what they're needing. The wants is to feel loved, and that's the job of the church. See, the folks we feed on the street, though, are not that different than the folks in this room because we all need the same kind of stuff, and we, we get good stuff here. We got this amazing building. I mean, this is insane. You've got this gorgeous choir with these great voices. You have outstanding pastoral care, 
That's me sucking up to the pastor in case you were wondering what that was. You have all these great things, and that's great. But that's just the stuff of church, you know? That's not really the core of church. See, the core of church is the same no matter where you go. So any church you've ever gone to, any church you currently go to, or any church you're going to go to, if you don't feel God's love from each other and from God's presence, then we have failed you. Church gives us the opportunity to love. We've got to be very careful not to mistake needs and wants. And when we get that thing that we want so desperately, we can't wait to put it back out into the world. Now, our Bible passage today tells us that this one job is the job of all of us. Love one another. Now, I think that really it all comes down to one thing. And honestly, if you can do this one thing right, everything else falls into place. Everything. Do you want to know what the one thing is? Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> one guy is like, eh, I don't know, sure, we can do that. <laughs> do you want to know what it is? Yes. Good, okay, thank goodness, because I had nothing after that, so... Here it is. Ask yourself every minute of the day, is what I'm about to do, say, or think going to put more love or less love into this world? Is what I'm about to do, say, or think going to put more love or less love into the world? And quite often, we are taught that they have to be these grand things. We are taught that they have to be trips to Belize. We are taught that they have to be uh, retired, you have to be retired and then go to Haiti to build a church. It doesn't have to be that. We can put more love in the world today. I'm going to give you just a couple examples. Church is over. We all leave church. Some of us go grocery shopping. It's Sunday, it's the big grocery shopping day. So you go to King Supers, you load up the cart. You got everything. It's the whole week's worth of groceries. You got the Diet Coke down low, you got the dog food underneath, you got cat food. You don't even own a cat, but a cat could drop by. You don't know. <laughs> You got everything. You're prepared. You get in line. You're ready to check out. And there's one guy behind you with one quart of milk. And he's standing there like this. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm going to miss the game. And you say, that's it? That's all you got? Just go ahead. Get in front. Just go in front of me. Just go ahead. If you do that, are you putting more love or less love into the world? Very good. This is the interactive portion of the sermon. I'm glad you're catching on. Next scenario. Uh, still went to church. Didn't go grocery shopping because the madhouse there. Instead, you're going to go out to eat. So you go out to eat. You have a meal. The meal's fine. It's not great. It's okay. Service is fine. It's not great. It's okay. You get your check, put the tip on the table, you go up to the register, and you pause and you go, you know what, hang on. And you go back, and you put one more dollar on the tip, not because they deserve it, just because. 
If you put that one more dollar on the table, are you putting more love or less love into the world? Nicely done, final round, hands on your buzzers, here we go. It's gonna get harder. It's Sunday. (laughs) You blew off church, okay? You didn't go to church at all. You went skiing instead. Had a great day skiing. And now you're coming back home. Sunday afternoon, I-70. Nervous laughter falls through the audience. And you're bumper to bumper. And this guy wants to merge in front of you in a Humvee, towing a boat. I don't know why he's got a boat at ski season, but anyway, go with me. And you, sir, have to decide whether you let him in. Do you let him in or not? You took too long. Moving on. You, sir, do you let him in? Yes, he does. Aaron lets him in. Ladies and gentlemen, are you putting more love or less love in the world? See, folks, we want to make it this big deal. We want to make it this huge thing, these big plans. It doesn't have to be. Mother Teresa, the Pope, numerous people have said throughout history, the world is changed through small, independent acts of kindness. That we can do. That you don't need vacation days for. That you don't have to wait till you're retired. Put more love in the world. Now, I went to seminary, and I like to think I learned a little bit about the Bible. But I'll admit, when I came to preach on this, and I knew the verse that I want, but I couldn't remember exactly where it was. Now, what I learned was that seminary doesn't teach you about the Bible. It teaches you about really good Bible software. That's what it does. So so I type into the computer, uh, love one another, search. It's everywhere. It's everywhere in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New. It's in Paul's letters. It's in the Gospels. It's on Jesus' own lips. It begs the question for us, how are we doing? The church has a function and that function is it provides us a place, it gives us the opportunity to love each other. It becomes a verb when we're here in the church because actions matter. Peter Rollins is one of my favorite theologians. He's out of Belfast, Northern Ireland, and he's got a great quote, and if you're going to do Peter, you have to do it in his accent, otherwise it doesn't take effect. So Peter says this. He says, I don't care what you believe. I want to know how your beliefs function. I don't care what you believe. I want to know how your beliefs function. How are they part of the tapestry of your life? Because that's what matters. And here's the dirty little secret. The dirty secret is when we go out and serve the world, it changes us too. It is not just about serving those people. It changes who we are. I want to tell you a story just about just a couple people, and then I'm going to sit down. Um, 
This was years ago. Uh, there was a young woman named Whitney Bradford. She was a student at DU. And Whitney wanted to come and help in the park with what we do, which is great. But Whitney had zero use for church or for God. And Whitney came to talk to me, and she said, look, she said, I'm more than willing to help feed the homeless. She goes, but I don't need any of the God stuff. She goes, I don't want any of that. And she had like a furrowed brow. And she, she wasn't tall. She was a little person, but, but she looked like she had good hand speed, so I'm going to mess with her, you know, so I was like, okay. And she looks at me real serious, and she goes, I'm not kidding. She goes, I'll feed the poor, but I'm not going to do it if you're going to shove Jesus down my throat. And I said, first off, you don't know after hours because after hours we never shove Jesus down anybody's throat, unless it's communion. <laughs> unless it's <laughs> Some of these are just for me. Okay, so there. Um, so we get that straight. Get Whitney down the park. Whitney's in charge of water. So we hand out communion. Then they can come by, they can get a sandwich, and they can come and get water. So Whitney's job is to just pass out water. That's all she has to do. Now, uh, I will say that, that, um, <laughs> that joy is not one of Whitney's core competencies. Let's just put it that way. So Whitney's handing out the water. She's going like this. She's going, there you go. There you go. Just hand bottled water after bottled water. But she keeps coming back. Week after week, she's showing up. But she also sees that we're having a pretty good time. The folks that serve in the park recognize the joy of the love is our strength. And so we have a good time. And I can tell now Whitney wants to be a part of that. She wants to be a part of that. But again, it's a growing edge for her. So she's handing out water. And a few weeks later, now she's trying to do it like this. And she's handing out water. She's going... <laughs> looking at me. Am I doing it right? You know, like this. Anyway, one day we're doing this whole thing. We got our system down. We've been doing it for nearly 10 years. All of a sudden, we start to bottleneck. And I look over, and Whitney's not there. I grab one of the other students. I'm like, can you fill in for Whitney? They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. They get that going. Everything's going fine. And I can look out on the grass, and I, can, and I see Whitney. And she's just sitting there, talking to somebody, who was eating lunch by themselves. Not because she wanted to fellowship, not because she was trying to be a good disciple. Whitney just knew how awful it is to be alone and how important it is sometimes to just listen. Paul Tillich's a theologian in the 1950s, and he says the first duty of love is to listen. The first duty of love is to listen. And so somebody says, do you want me to go get Whitney? I said, no, 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 don't, don't get Whitney. That's going to be Whitney's job from now on. That's what she's going to do. And so somebody else is doing the water, but I also know enough to know that there's such a thing as compassion fatigue. Probably a lot of you in the room have felt that if you've ever been a caregiver of any kind. And I thought, let's leave this. So I said to the person, I go, this might be a part-time thing for you. They're like, okay. So sure enough, things are going great. After a couple weeks of Whitney doing this, Whitney comes up to me and says, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. She says, uh, so I've been thinking about stuff, and this is great and all, but if you're cool with it, I think I want to do the water thing. I'm like, of course, that's fine. 
I said, we've got your spot for you, just come back, you know how to hand them out, it's no big deal. And she looks at me like I got two heads. She goes, not, not that. She goes, you know, the water thing. What's the water thing on your head? Whitney had never been baptized. And so we got Whitney and took her to University Park, UMC. All of her college friends showed up. Her mom and dad flew in from San Diego. Her grandmother flew in from Lubbock, Texas. And at the end of it, her dad calls me back. And he says, look, he says, we're not a religious family. He goes, we never have been, we probably never will be. But when my daughter reschedules her flights home so that she doesn't miss being in the park on Friday, you must be doing something right. Love one another the way that I've loved you. Is the church changing lives? I want to believe we are. I want to tell you about this other guy. Nothing like Whitney. This guy is about six foot four, has a long black jacket, industrial boots with studs on the front of him. On the back of his jacket, I'm not kidding you, it says The Undertaker. That's what it says on his jacket, The Undertaker. <laughs> An Undertaker would come by, and when we started handing everything out, he would never take a lunch. He would never take communion. He'd grab a water, but he wouldn't even look at us. He wouldn't even look at us. He'd come by and he'd grab a water and just keep walking. Used to make me furious. He'd come by, grab a water, keep walking. And then I remembered, as you do to the least of these. Got it. Just let him keep doing it, back and forth. Day after day, he'd come and grab his water. And then finally, finally, we had a breakthrough. He comes by, and he gives me the cool guy head nod. Do you guys know the cool guy head nod? He walks by, and he grabs a water, and he goes like this. Hey. <laughs> Success. And sure enough, over the weeks, more and more, he starts finding more conversations, more things to talk about. Where does the food come from? Where does the money come from? Pretty soon, he's helping us unload the truck. About three weeks ago, for the first time in my life, I heard the undertaker laugh. Love one another the way that I've loved you. Are we changing lives? I gotta believe it. I'll tell you one last story. If you live here in Denver, you know winters aren't always great. And sometimes when we're in the park, not always great. And so this was one of those times when it wasn't always great. It's not always sugar-coated unicorns. And so the snow's blowing sideways. And we're handing out communion kind of as fast as we can. Everybody's going through the line. I say the same thing every time I give out communion. I always say, this is a reminder of how much God loves you. This is a reminder of how much God loves you. And Eddie, one of our regulars, comes through the line, and I go, this is a reminder of how much God loves you. And he doesn't miss a beat, and he looks me in the eye, and he goes, you guys are a reminder of how much God loves me. And it rocked me on my heels because it took me back to my Catholic days of growing up in Detroit, and I remembered communion, and I remembered those words that we say, pour down your Holy Spirit on these gifts and offerings, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, so that, wait for it, so that we can be the body of Christ in the world. We take Christ in so we can take Christ out there's a purpose to doing this. 
And that purpose is to be a living sacrament in the world. We can do that every day of our life. Henry Nowen was a priest who had a position at Harvard. He resigned so that he could work with a community of mentally challenged people. He says this, we need someone to share our pain, to touch our wounds. Eddie needs us to share his pain much more than he needs a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I am a different person now than I was 10 years ago when I started in the park. I can see God in more places. Are we willing to look for God in different places? In the grocery store? In restaurants? On the drive home? Are we willing to love each other the way that God loved us, without condition, without judgment, without requirement? And are we willing to every day put more love in the world? If the answer to those questions is yes, get ready, because your life is about to change. One last thing. Remember Undertaker, the guy I told you about? The long coat and the scary boots. Last month, for the first time, after asking him more than 200 times, Undertaker took communion in Civic Center Park. Love one another the way I loved you. Thank you so much for letting me be here. God bless you. God invites us to be part of a radical reimagining of what the world can be, a beloved community. And so we share what God has given us because we know that our time and our talent and our resources go toward creating a vision that God so desires. Let us receive the morning offering.
With one voice, let us pray the prayer of dedication, saying, God, you have so greatly loved us, long sought us, and mercifully redeemed us. Give us grace that in everything we may yield ourselves, our wills and our works, a continual thank-offering to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. As the preacher said, we come to the table open to the grace, the grace of God that nourishes us and sustains us, and we take in Christ so that we may send Christ out and be Christ in the world. Would you join me in the great thanksgiving? The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, gracious God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You have been faithful to us through all generations and continue to speak to us today. We praise you for this table of love you spread in the world as a sign of your love for all people. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending song. continue in prayer. Living God, we give you thanks that you offer the gift of life and wholeness for the wonder of bodies and minds, hearts and souls. So we offer our prayer for those whose bodies are strained or shaken by disease. We offer prayer for those whose minds are occupied by warring thoughts and who need the refuge of your powerful peace. We offer our prayer for those whose spirits are unsettled by difficult choices and wandering allegiances. For all who suffer, we ask your healing, your wisdom, and your grace. We pray for the world which you so love and ask you, O oh God, to help us love one another as you have loved us. We take these gifts of bread and wine and ask you to bless them so that they may become to us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, that these gifts may sustain us for the journey of life this week, that we leave here knowing that the Spirit has been with us and that you go with us as we leave your sanctuary. You have prepared a feast for all people, a feast of good things, 
a feast of peace. May we come and taste, eat and be filled, drink deep and never thirst again. And we pray these things as the children of God, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night of his arrest, Jesus was with his friends at table, and he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. It's my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. And each time you eat this bread and you drink from this cup, you'll remember my death, and we look forward to Christ coming again. Friends, all are welcome to this table. All are welcome. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Please come.
Let us stand together. Stand as you are able and recite together the prayer of thanksgiving. Gracious God, you have made us one with all your people in heaven and earth. You have fed us with the bread of life and renewed us for your service. Help us who have shared Christ's body and received his cup to be faithful disciples so that our daily living may reflect your presence among us and our love be your love, reaching out into the world through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I mentioned earlier that I uh, grew up Catholic and sometimes uh, the oldies are the goodies. So your benediction today is go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Glory to God in